0: Last time on the Fan of History, in 967 BC, the king of Assyria dies, Simon dies, and his mummy has never been found. King Mu, of the Zhu dynasty in China, fought the dog people and was victorious. What happened in the 950s, Dan?
1: We don't know anything that happened in the 950s, so thank you for listening to this episode. No, actually, (laughs) we have... One dated event, but that one is surely legendary. But it, as it is the only event we actually know happened in this decade uh, or might have happened in the decade, I'll talk about it. And it's a guy called Tersippus who dies in 952 BC. Tersippus is assumed to be the king of Athens and he dies after a reign of 41 years and is succeeded by his son Forbas. But this is probably just a legend. Um, because greek is deep in the dark age and athens is not what you think athens is because it's a very small village and um, this might be a chance to talk about greek greece in the dark age because in the 13th century bc greece was the powerful mycenaean civilization that fought the trojan war and athens was actually a mycenaean city as were many other places in Greece, but uh, that's all gone. All the cities are gone, the writing is gone, uh, the trading networks are mostly gone. Uh, So what happened to Greece? A a lot of things probably, and we'll talk about that uh, if we ever get to cover 1200 BC. But the main thing was the invasion of the Dorians. When the Greeks later in the classical age talk about the Dorian invasion they talk about the Dorians like the sons of Heracles who came back to claim the land that was once owned by this famous demigod called Hercules by the Romans. So the Dorians are a nomadic people Uh, they are shepherds and they invade and they take over most of Greece in uh, the 12th century BC. But some areas are not invaded by the Dorians, but they are still thrown into the Dark Age uh, and we have a population loss of maybe ninety percent in Greece, which is uh, enormous, it's so drastic and it's hard for us to imagine how bad the situation in Greece is because if you want to survive in the dorian in the post Dorian invasion Greece, you have to become a nomadic herdsman. So you have to abandon your cities. There's Nobody's living in the Mycenaean ruins. Because it's too dangerous. Uh, in Attica, where Athens is, and on the islands, especially on the island of Euboea, uh, the second largest island in the Ionian Sea, after Crete, and in the Ionian Islands, there, the Achaeans, the Mycenaean Greece, survives. And they will start to pick up the pieces soon. Uh, there are possibly some sort of seagoing going going on there are ships in athens and attica uh, and they probably run into phoenicians uh, because the phoenicians are already trading in the mediterranean or they have been doing that for quite some time and it will be the phoenicians who bring back the phoenicians who live in um, what is today syria and lebanon on the seacoast uh, and they will be the people who bring Greece writing again. So, when the Greeks pick up writing, they will not pick up their old style of writing, not Mycenaean writing called Linear B, because Linear B is an extremely complicated language. And the Phoenician alphabetic system that we still use today is much easier to use. Uh, So, Greek will be brought back from the Dark Age eventually, and there will be a lot of things going on in Greece, of course in this podcast but uh, right now in the 950s BC Greece is about as bad as the rest of Europe there is also a civilization called the Phrygians who live north of Greece in Macedon and in Bulgaria and Romania and in Turkey and the Phrygians will also help bring Greece back but uh, people have a hard time believing how how bad greece was hit by this and by the bronze age collapse generally but if you look at archaeology in greece it's truly depressing at this time because you see like the, the big abandoned cities and uh yeah the everything is just gone they they can't have nice stuff during this period pretty much <laughs> so Tersippus, if he was the king of athens he was the king of a pretty sad athens Uh, we can talk briefly about the situation in three countries. the uh, II is the pharaoh in Egypt, and he might be identical to the high priest, the III of Amun. So Egypt might or might not be unified now in the 21st dynasty. Uh, Assyria is still around, and Tiglath-Pileser II is the king. Uh, the name Tiglath-Pileser, some of the Assyrian king's names are really strange because their names actually sound like Babylonian kings' names they are really long and strange but Tiglath-Pileser is the name the Greeks gave uh, the next king with the name Tiglath-Pileser III because they couldn't pronounce his name so these kings have come down to us as Tiglath-Pileser but uh, their name was actually much more complicated than that in uh, India, Kuru is a strong kingdom in the north and we don't know a whole lot but there is one place where there is an event that we could date to this but only by to this decade but only by archaeology and that is mexico where the olmecs are the one true civilization in the americas there is nothing in the north and south of america but just in mesoamerica we have the olmecs doing great things and uh, the mayans staring at them from the Yucatan and the mayans are still quite primitive uh, the olmec civilization did not uh, their their main center san lorenzo was a ceremonial site without walls so people came there for religious purposes and it had at this time about 5500 people living in the ceremonial complex and about 8,000 more people living nearby, probably supporting it then from farms and stuff. And in this decade, in about the 950s BC, San Lorenzo suffers horribly. There is a huge problem in San Lorenzo. And archaeologists can't make up their mind what actually happened. So I will assume that everything that they have claimed happened. So the situation in San Lorenzo is that there is warfare and we don't know anything about politics in the Ol- among the Olmecs as we can't read what they wrote but there is warfare there is a destruction layer in San Lorenzo there is environmental change the climate is changing and San Lorenzo is located at a very um, specific spot that it, in about two, 300 years later this spot will become inhabitable, you can't live In San Lorenzo, pretty much. It'll become a desert. Uh, There is The environmental change causes the rivers to change their course. So the rivers that supported San Lorenzo are gone (laughs) at this time. There are also other religious centers appearing in the Olmec civilization. That are like, oh, come over here and worship the gods here instead. And also the trading networks uh, are brought down probably because of the other reasons but the, the economic boom of san lorenzo ends here so it seems to be a really bad place to um, to be in in the 950s bc but san lorenzo will prevail a couple of years more so it doesn't end here but uh, they're having great problems in san lorenzo okay cool. what's going on in china Yes, King Mu, the great king, the legendary king, the greatest king of the Su dynasty, is the king of China. He is more ambitious than wise, and we don't know anything he did in the 950s BC. So I, I figured I will take this uh, opportunity to talk about the legends about King Mu. Because at the end of the Su dynasty, the people of China, that's six 600 years later than this, the people of China look to king mu as a, a figure of ancient history when the su dynasty was strong and china was strong so they start making stories about king mu and um, in particular two stories come down to us that i would like to talk about now the first is the tale of king mu the son of heaven which is a long tale about how king mu traveled to the kunlun mountains in the west to uh, talk to the gods and he brought uh, a charioteer who drove his chariot to the mountains, and he runs into a lot of It's sort of an epic quest uh, where he uh, falls in love with a goddess, and a lot of strange things happen to him. It's like it's like a fantasy novel. But the one story about King Mu that I really want to talk about it's just yes, because it's super weird is the time when King Mu met a robot. So, there is a text from the 3rd century BC uh, called the Liesi, where this story is told. So, I'll, I'll talk uh, from this translation here. Uh, there is an artificer called Shi who builds stuff, and he has brought this robot to the court of King Mu. The king stared at the figure in astonishment. It walked with rapid strides, moving its head up and down so that anyone would have taken it for a live human being. The artificer touched its chin and it began singing perfectly in tune. He touched its hand and it began posturing, keeping perfect time. As the performance was drawing to an end, the robot winked its eye and made advances to the ladies in attendance. Whereupon the king became incensed, and would have had Yan Shi executed on the spot, had not the latter, in mortal fear, instantly taken the robot to pieces to let the king see what it really was. And indeed, it turned out to be only a construction of leather, wood, adhesive and lacquer, variously colored white, black, red and blue. Examining it closely, the king found all the internal organs complete, liver, gall, heart, lungs, spleens, kidneys, stomach and intestines, and over these again muscles bones and limbs with their joints skin teeth and hair all of them artificial the king tried the effect of taking away the heart and found that the mouth could no longer speak he took away the liver and the eyes could no longer see he took away the kidneys and the leg lost their powers of locomotion the king was delighted so the robot is brought to the court and the robot starts hitting on the girls of the court possibly than king mu's courtesans and king mu becomes really angry and wants to destroy the robot but artifice is like it's just my robot and takes it apart to show so to save the robot so i don't know why anybody would write this in the third century bc and why they would write it about king mu but it's just just something we have about him he also seems to be a patron of the arts. And the oldest piece of written music in history we have, which is quite controversial. There are other claims. And it's recorded uh, 1700 years later in the Tang Dynasty. It's, uh, it's a piece of music from King Mu's time called the Entrance Hymn for the Emperor. And of course, King Mu was not called the emperor. That's a later invention. But we'll put that at the end of this podcast. You can listen to what music might have sounded like in the 950s BC. Uh, It seems that the oldest recorded song is also by the Chinese. But at this time, there are no lyrics to the music. And it's actually Confucius himself that will write that song, and we'll talk about that in uh, <laughs> very much later.
0: Confucius, the the great uh, Chinese philosopher, who said, I, I, I'm a big fan of his. He said, uh, what you do not want done to yourself, do not do to others. Um, so if anybody wonders where that originated, that's, yeah, he said a lot of great things, that's... One of my favorites.
1: He said a lot of good things. He influences China still today. And he, he lives in an age called uh, the 100 schools of thought. That we'll talk a lot about. Uh, oh, a lot. <laughs> much later than this. Uh, there are also some interesting inventions made in China at this time. Or about this time. And it's uh, they actually invented dictionary which gets reinvented a lot later. But they have dictionaries. So the Chinese are putting down stuff in writing. Most of their writing material is uh, has not come down to us because unlike the Egyptians and the Assyrians, they're not writing in stone. But we have some. Uh, they also invent the kite at this time. The rest of the world is also inventing stuff. So... Uh, I like to mention four things that are invented in the rest of the world. That's uh, peanut cultivation, is invented in Peru and Brazil, and peanut cultivation might actually be the reason that we get a new civilization to talk about. And I put that in the 930s episode. So uh, in two episodes, you'll hear about a new South American civilization, and they are cultivating peanuts. Uh, One other surprising invention from this century is ice skates. 3,000 years old. Uh, They invent knitting. I don't know where, but they do it during this century. And also the first use of a magnet. Do we know who invented the
0: uh, ice ice skates or magnets? Uh, I
1: think we do. I don't right now. Uh, But uh, I think that's known. So I have to come back. (laughs) And that's all we have from the 950s BC. Actually, it was a lot more than what we actually have from the 950s BC because we have nothing. Uh, okay, well, and next time on the 940s uh, Egypt will be
0: attacked. Uh, Susenis, uh dies and a new dynasty takes over. And we're going to talk about the orcs of the 10th century BC. Uh, the savage Am- Amar- Arameans, <clears throat> and Tiglath pileser II strikes back.
1: Yeah. Uh, so thank you for listening to this please uh, check out our YouTube channel fan of history subscribe, like and share give us reviews on iTunes etc any kind of feedback is welcome if you have questions if you have stuff you want to hear on this podcast uh, do you like the length of the podcast is there anything else we should talk about Uh, let us know
0: yeah, let us know if there's any any format changes, any specific topics, topics you guys would like us to cover from these time periods that you know about or or you know, if you're happy with the length and the format and everything else, if there's any extra materials you guys are interested in, let us know cuz we can we can produce that and um and get it out to you guys so you guys can enjoy the podcast more. Yeah.